Hi, I'm Tina Spangler with TLC Barrels and welcome to my podcast. This is a, a podcast designed for my online Facebook coaching group and um, today is January 9th of 2024. This is Q&A number 178. Uh, my coaching group started in 2020 of August of 2020. So it's been going for over three years. Um, it's a great group. It's been a wonderful asset to my um, coaching business um, as a trainer for 25 years. Um, you know, I did lessons in clinics and I did some, some coaching um, reviewing videos and stuff every after every clinic for clients but um i guess with everything becoming more online um it just came to me that hey you know this could be a really important part or service that i could add to my business and um so i plan to spend the next 25 years being a coach um, instead of a trainer so god blessed me with a career that i loved training horses and um, like I said, making my own barrel horses and, you know, helping thousands of people have given me a lifetime experience of, of teaching and understanding how horses, um, different horses respond differently and same with people. And, and I just love what I do. So I plan to spend the next 25 years coaching. So the online coaching, the clinics and lessons has just been a really nice, well-rounded way to help people. And, um, you know, it's kind of a little bit of the best of, of, of each thing to be able to, to uh, offer challenges in the group um, and see how they train at home, as well as watch their competitions. Um, and it's also limited, it's taken away the limits of just being able to help people close to me um, in Florida to 26 states and a couple internationals. So it's been really great. And a lot of them are set up private and some are set up where they like, don't mind sharing, um, their videos in the group for others to learn or celebrate with them. So it's really been a great, um, asset and I really hope y'all enjoying it too. So I wanted to go ahead and start, um, by saying, you know, it's a new year and often with the new year, we do new things and I did something new as well. I had my very first pole bending clinic. That's right, very first all day pole bending clinic. I've always taught poles. Um, you know, I've done them in group lessons where you know I'd have my high school rodeo or college rodeo girls together for two or three hours and um, or even private lessons pole bending, but never an all day clinic. And I just thought for 2024 to offer new things um, is always, you know, you don't really know if you're going to be successful at things unless you try new things. So that's why I thought, you know, I'm going to offer a horsemanship clinic where we don't do barrels and poles, but we really just focus on, you know, all the things you'd want to have a solid foundation in a horse, rollback, side passing, lead departures, you know, all the things that um, a nice bow backup, all the things that you'd want from the ground up into the saddle as well as the pole bending um, and because pole bending you do a, a few different drills than you would do for barrel racing because it has its own issues like poles you often have horses that will hit poles because they're not you know being light enough to move away from the pole or horses that will stall on the end pole down by the alleyway or maybe not rate the end poles things like that so so I have different drills that I do for those kind of issues. So I thought it went really well. 
Um, I love the group of people that came and we, I love the Flying Feather Farm. That place was beautiful there in Crystal River. And Willow and Chad have been longtime clients of mine. And um, so it was really great to spend some time with them. And, you know, it's just a beautiful facility. I think they have like 40 or 50 acres. And um, the arena was nice. And they had a picnic area for us and, um, and had a nice lunch. And it was just a really nice day. And uh, we got blessed with good weather. And um, so anyways, I, the only thing I was concerned about was timing because, you know, I wasn't sure how much, you know, time each of the new drills would take. So that was something that I wanted to make sure goes smoothly. And for the most part, I think I can change a couple, tweak a couple things to make the next one even better as far as timing with the drills and, and all that and getting the most one-on-one um, -on -one with each rider. And that's another thing, I went from my clinics with 12 down to eight, and I really think that helps so I can get a lot more one-on-one -on -one with people. And um, I think a lot of times people just get greedy and they want, you know, more riders. And and I found when I had more riders, I was paying for more assistance and it was really not making me any more money because I was paying assistance and yet I was getting less time with the riders. So I've kind of modified my clinics now where I get a lot more one-on-one. -on -one and I used to ride all the horses and that didn't help either because it doesn't matter if I can get on and make your horse do it. I've got to teach you how to get your horse to do it. And often I, I knew without even getting on that the horse was stiff or, or dull or wasn't as responsive or soft as they needed to be or light as needed to be. So um, it's just a matter of teaching the riders how to do that and what kind of exercises to do. So my next pole bidding clinic, I am going to add a little bit more rail work. I didn't do that this time. I just did the two drills I wanted to do and then another drill after lunch with the poles um, in addition to the poles. But um, I want to do a little bit more rail work because I find people need the dry work. Um, I feel like that really sets the tone of your ride. Um, if you always start with some dry work, you know, like face flexing and transitions and um, just getting them soft in the face and moving off your leg and things like that. Um, you know, the nice whoa and backing real light and things like that are very helpful. So anyways, I'm um, going to move on because I know we've got a lot to cover today. So, um, so anyways, I love the pole clinic. I look forward to doing more. My next one's in Vero Beach uh, in March. That's going to be a fun one. Uh, I've been doing a two-day clinic down there. One day barrels, one day poles. And um, so what I want to say to that is it's a new year and you really should be doing things that make you happy. You know, I think we should set our, our, um, our goals, you know, like, you know, maybe God first and then your family and, you know, your career and all that. But there's certain things you have to have in life, like income. So everything has to be, but I, uh, a certain order can't be all just going to do what you want to be to be happy. But we are responsible for our own happiness and peace. So no matter how things go, like today we're supposed to have severe weather coming in. And I could stress about it and worry about it. But instead I woke up and just said a prayer. And um, and I'll hunker down and hope for the best and and um, and have peace with that. So that's all you can do. When, when, um, I mean, they're canceling schools and stuff today because they think it's going to be that windy. Um, you know power outages and maybe trees on down and things like that so it's just one of those deals where all you can do is say a prayer for safety and um and batten down the hatches a little bit and, and just have a little bit of peace 
with that and, and go forward. So that's kind of how life is. You just kind of have to pray on it and make your own day-to-day peace and happiness and not worry about things in the future too much and not hang on to the past and just kind of live in the moment and be happy. So if that's any advice I could share with you, that would be it. So, um, you know, every year I pick a word or slogan for the group. Um, this year it is be positive. Um, because a lot of times it's easy to start getting down on yourself or your horse and, and stuff. So just whenever you can, turn it into a positive. You know, anytime a negative thought creeps in, replace it with a positive. So that's my word or slogan for the group this year. And last year it was believe, to believe in yourself and your horses. I think the year before that was um, putting God first. And then the year before that, the first year we started, um, I think it was just have heart, you know, because TLC is ride with heart, which means to give 100% inside and outside the arena, but also to always put your horse first. So every year I just try to, you know, give you something to think about in that aspect. So I want to welcome um, some new members. Uh, from the clinic, they always get one month free in the group after a clinic for follow-up. So Terry and Diane and Katie and Courtney, um, welcome to you for your for your daughters, for three of you. Um, and then Terry, of course, um, is an adult. Um, but let's see here. And then a rejoin, we have, um, uh, but no, excuse me, um, Carrie, uh, Kara and Bianca. Sorry, I can't talk this morning. And then Delina and um, Cheyenne, so four rejoins. A lot of times people drop off during the holidays and come back afterwards, and that's always awesome. I love seeing you guys come back. Um, everyone get you know takes off different times of the year. Some people take off the winter for snow, and other people take off the summer because of heat. Some people just slow down in the holidays because they're busy with family. So I'm always happy to have you uh, come back anytime you want. So uh, let's see here. The challenges um, this month, I'm just going to go over some real quick reminders and then we're going to get into the questions and topic. Topic today is um, biomechanics still and we're on part three and four, I believe. So we'll be doing that today and I have a few questions to answer. So real quickly, I'm just going to remind everybody um, that we are on, uh, let's see, we've got three challenges going on. Um, I also, I, I kind of snuck in actually four, if you think about it. I snuck in one where I'd love to start the new year where you all take a little, a moment, um, you know, to do a video of yourself. It can be sitting on your horse. It could be holding your horse. It can be just you, you, it doesn't matter, but I'd like you to come on and do a live video or recorded video, your choice, um, into the group and just say, Hey, you know, this is my name and what state I'm in and. Um, this is what I am thankful for that happened in 2023 or my goals that I met that I was happy with for 2023. And, um, this is what I'm excited about for 2024. And, uh, it just goes with the theme of being positive and also getting to know you guys, um, which I think I love seeing a face and a voice with all the videos I get to do. Cause I'm so used to just seeing you running barrels on your horses or poles. So this gives us everyone a chance to see your face and maybe your horses um, and just hear how your year went and what you're excited about this year and just kind of lets everyone in our community get to know each other. So it can just be about two minutes and um, you know just a quick hello. So that's one thing. And then the other thing is you can send me a training video this month of you doing my dry work, big circle, small circle with a rollback 
you know, loose rein woe and a rollback. Um, there's several videos been posted in the group on that challenge. So I'd love to see you do that. And I'll enter your name in the drawing and I'll pull one name to win a prize, which can be one free month in the group or one of the other prizes. And then um, that's for the video challenge. Um, the skill for this month is biomechanics. We're gonna do um, each week a different part. Um, last week, I think we talked about stirrups and um, using your eyes and your body to communicate with your horses. This week, we're going to talk about your hands and your legs. Um, and then we also have our mental game. Um, that's going to be putting down your goals for this year, but keeping them that make you happy, your heart's desires, keeping it fun and keeping it positive. Um, it shouldn't be, you know, your goal shouldn't be something that brings you anxiety. Um, so keep that in mind when you're doing that. And then don't forget, you can go into the members only website. There's over 200 videos there and it's separated by, I think, 12 different topics. Um, you can also use the search box in the group to look things up. Um, there's a magnifying glass, I believe, or a search box when you go into the group. And you can always tell me when you send me your videos, the name of your horse, the name of the arena, the winning time and your time. And also if you want to keep your video private, all that's going to make my day go easier. If you send me five videos at a time, please specify what each video is. Uh, if it's the same run, different angle, or if it's several different runs, if you're wearing a different colored shirt, anything, just help me understand what I'm looking at. So I can get through things with less confusion and give you the best possible feedback. Um, okay, let's get into the questions. Um, first question, reading ground at arenas. Okay, so this probably applied, mostly this question came up because of the Stepanio barrel race in Ocala. A lot of people were having trouble. Um, I guess she, she put in a post at the end of the weekend that she didn't water as much as normal because the year before people complained it was too wet. So this year she had drier ground and it was hard and horses were slipping or not able to get in the ground. So um, when you see, okay, when you get to a competition, when you go check in, you can always stop by the arena, even if they don't allow like rodeos, you're not even allowed to get in the arena beforehand. But you can always walk in the back of the alleyway and kind of stick your feet in the ground and feel how deep does it go? Is it hard panned? Is it shifty? Is it dry? Uh, is it sticky and wet? Kind of start to read the ground. If it's really wet and heavy, it's a good chance you're going to have to ride more aggressive. If it's pretty dry and, and loose, it's going to maybe be a little shifty and may not hold your horse too good. If it's hard panned underneath or dry and dusty, um, your horse might not be able to get into the ground. So it's important to start reading the ground. If you're not in the first drag or two, you can watch and don't you don't have to watch the riders per se, but you can watch the, um, the tracks that they take and watch the horse from like the shoulder down to the feet and see how they're handling the ground and see if they're, you know, getting by a barrel or not able to dig in or slipping. Um, if that happens, you can always scratch. You may not get a refund, but hey, better to scratch and lose one entry fee than you lose the whole year of competition if you hurt your horse. Um, or you can always go slower. The other option is to stay two hands and just stand them up more. If you keep a horse standing up, 
um, and not laying down pretty because a lot of horses get really round and, and pretty in their turns and they can slip that way. Christy Peterson taught me in Colorado many years ago when you start going to rodeos and you see that you're on ground that's not ideal. Most super shows are really catered to the barrel horse, but uh, even super show producers sometimes mess up with, you know, the ground, maybe too much water, not enough water, not ripping deep enough. Um, they never want to hurt your horse by all means, but it's not easy to get the ground great for all horses. Some horses run on top of the ground. Some horses need to get deep in the ground. Um, and some horses come in out of control and they're maybe stiff or fighting their rider or the rider gets heavy handed and or they lose their hip or something and that has nothing to do with the ground it's just a little bit of horsemanship issues there but anyhow um, those are things you could always uh, work at you know some horses are better if you go to the horn two strides out and just trust them and leave them alone but like I said, if you want to try to keep them standing up, staying two hands until you get to the barrel can help keep them up. I'm not saying get in their face, but just trying to keep them stood up. And when you go to the horn, a lot of them will drop that front end a little bit lower or maybe, you know, round up a little bit. And sometimes that's not the ideal situation for bad ground. So those are options. The next question was about spurs. Um, do I, do I believe in always using them sometimes, just in slow work, just in competition, um, and uh, what type of spurs, all of that. So first let me say, uh, yes, um, I don't believe you should, I think it's going to depend on the individual horse. Some horses are super sensitive and you do not want spurs on those horses. Some horses are pretty dull and you definitely want to have something to back up your feet or your calf pressure. But let me first say you should always use your leg first, meaning hug them with your calf pressure first. If they ignore your calf pressure of your leg squeezing, then you would press your spur into them. Some people roll their spur, some people press their spur, but you don't want to kick with your spur first and you don't want to be always kicking with your spurs. Sometimes when people get spurs on, they forget they have legs and they go right to the spur instead of using their leg pressure first. Um, so again, I would say I like them for slow work on a dull horse that needs to be more responsive. I might like them in competition so I can just do light bumping instead of big kicks. Um, again, it depends on the individual horse. Um, I happen to wear sidewinders. That's where the spurs on the inside of my boot, and it's just a metal piece. Um, I'm not a big fan of rowels. I think, especially in competition, your adrenaline can get out of control. Um, so you may want to vet wrap your rowels um, if you're conscious of your feet and you don't overuse them. Rowels are fine, but you can also use bumper spurs, kind of like an English spur, if you're not comfortable with rowels. But a vet wrap is the easiest way to soften up a spur um, if you're not sure if you're going to get carried away. I once saw a lady literally draw blood on her horse loping circles and I told her take those spurs off. I mean she had no business wearing spurs because she didn't even realize she was kicking her horse so hard just loping circles. Um, so yes, if you're not experienced with spurs, take them off. I think I just paused the video by accident. Okay, we're going again. Okay, it's just one of those days. I accidentally hit a button when I shouldn't have. Um, I'm doing this really early. It's like 5 in the morning, but we've got some severe weather coming in. And I had a clinic on Sunday, like I said. And I did 
like 12 or 13 videos yesterday and I have another 15 videos to do today. So I'm trying to get started early after a good night's sleep. So um, before the storms, just in case we lose power or cell service or anything like that. So um, let me see, barrel racing on a budget. Okay, that was the next question. Um, you know what's funny about kids is they don't teach it in high school, which I think it should be mandatory how to budget. Um, they should teach it in school, at least by the time you're in college, but I think high school would be even better. My dad had to teach me, um, you know, because I was out of control when it came to money. When I was young, I didn't have any plan at all. So he taught me to pay attention to what I had coming in and what I had going out and also to put some away for savings. Things I never thought of and got myself in all kinds of trouble. Not to use credit cards because of interest rates and you never get ahead of it. Um, all those things. So I do think it's something that I think it's important that you write it down, your barrel racing budget. So I did write one down for you and I will post it in the group today. Um, so, and I based it on one horse. So an example would be like if you have, let's say you have $3,500 coming in a month um, and you've budgeted $1,000 for your horse riding, um, for your horse and for competition. So at that point, you would want to also write down if you have any winnings. So all those would be under the in column. The out column would be that $1,000 that you set aside. And honestly, it adds up quick. You know, hay can be $200, feed 30. The farrier could be 40 to 100 every five or six weeks, depending on if you shoe or trim, front shoes or just barefoot or even more if you shoe all the way around. Supplements, maybe you're doing 60 bucks in supplements a month just for uh, joint ulcer or electrolytes, um, or maybe vitamins, minerals, um, salts, and probiotics. Um, barn supplies could easily be 50 bucks a month once you add fly spray, hoof care, and any medicines or ointments or anything like that that you do, um, show sheens, etc. Cowboy magic, it adds up. Uh, entry fees, you might be budgeting going to three barrel races a month and that's could be anywhere from 120 bucks to 300 dollars depending on if you're going to super shows or jackpots or rodeos um, so right there i've already gotten 740 dollars um, a month in outgoing um, and i only budgeted a thousand that does not include which i need to kind of break that down my annual expenses or my extras so my extras or my annuals could be my veterinarian coggins vaccinations checkups um, the dentist the chiropractor my coach my lessons my clinics my truck maintenance my trailer maintenance any new tack to replace old tack pads bits boots uh, any new clothes boots or hats that just wear out and need to be and also memberships wpra mbha so all those things need to be broke down that even though they might be annually or quarterly you need to break them into your monthly budget as well so I will be adding that to the group for you to look at. And I do think it's important that you understand. And that's based on one horse, y'all. <laughs> Not three or four. So um, so I do think that's really important. Let's see. Um, so I'll post that in the group for you. But I, I barrel raced on a tight budget my entire life. You don't have to have the fanciest truck and trailer. You just need to have something safe. You don't have to have the most expensive horse. You can make your own horse. You know, I've always made my own Um so, you know, you, you will learn 
Um, you don't have to go to every super show or you can you don't have to stall there you can haul back and forth you can just pick one or two important ones for the year and then compete close to home within 30 minutes to an hour and you can save a lot of money that way you can also enter where you think you're going to win more likely um you know and, and where your horse likes to go that all helps with your your budget too because if you're winning you can afford to go to the next one so okay next question let's see what field do you want in the big and small circle okay so that's a good question um i want to be as loose rein as i can be um, especially in the big circle and even when i get to go into the small circle when i sit down for rate i want to feel my horse collect off my stride if he doesn't i will back it up with my hand bringing my hand back with my seat and it's always with give and take pressure i want to see their eye or nostril slightly to the inside I want to feel their shoulder, feel like it's, you know, a little bit picked up and out along with their ribs being out because that's going to make it where they have a little bit of lateral bend so I can really feel their hip in and their um, back inside pivot foot under them. Um, I'm looking for a soft transition um, from an extended gait to a collected gait. I don't want it to be rough or, or um, stiff or sticky. I want it fluid and um, flexing. Um, I'm looking for balance. I want them to feel like the rider and the horse are marrying each other. The horse is balanced from the front to the back, um, not, you know, losing their hip, front and back feet are on the same tracks. Um, again, not overbending. If you're overbending the head and the neck, you're gonna float the shoulder or swing the butt. Um, and you don't wanna let them drop their shoulder or rush into the small circle. So you definitely wanna feel um, easy in, easy around and then they can be a little bit more extended going out. So keep that in mind as well. And then um, the question about how is hip in applied to training on barrels? So that's a good question. Um, so, so when you're teaching barrels, you normally do it walk to the barrel stop or trot to the barrel stop or, or trot to the barrel walk around or lope to the barrel trot or walk around. Anytime you do that, you can put your leg in the back cinch and ask the horse to put their hip in one step. Or even if you're leaving a barrel and they feel like they're drifting, you can put your leg in the back cinch and push that hip back in. Um, you want to make sure you teach it away from the barrels first. So you could uh, just at a standstill, get your horse's face straight and put your leg in the back cinch and ask them to take one step away on both sides. And if they can't do it that way, which is more advanced, you would have to do where you get their nose to your foot and then disengage the hindquarters that way. You can also teach it from the ground, but obviously you can't get your horse's nose to your foot and put a hip in in competition. So you need to be able to teach it with their head straight um, in order to be able to do it on the pattern. So teach it away from the pattern first. You can walk eventually after you do it at a standstill walk the rail and pick up their nose to the inside of the arena ask their shoulder to step out towards the fence and then with your inside leg and then use your outside leg and push the hip in and you'll feel you'll feel in that order and it has to be done with give and take pressure that would be great for setting up for lead departures it's also great for getting the two tracking or nice uh, hip control so again it's nose shoulder then hip and it happens again with a light hand and scissor leg cues. So that's what you're looking and, and that's how hippin is applied to the barrels. You never ever want to have a horse swinging their butt in the turn because they're 
motor is their hind end that's their power so you want to always feel them front and back feet are square but some people take it even to a higher level that every time they go to a barrel they stop and put the hip in so that it's just natural the horse is thinking hip in hip in hip in my style is to be less pick at a horse and more about balance and being smooth making the right thing easy the wrong thing difficult but if i do have one that doesn't want to be square i always put the hip in um, i like to over finish my barrels so that will help put that hip in as well i move over as soon as i leave that first barrel that as well keeps them squared up and gets that hip in where it needs to be um, so they're not dropping when they get to the next barrel so you definitely you can help there so let's see next question should i inject my horse's si or hawks when the vet says they're a little bit sore so um, in this particular weekend you were at a super show and you had the vet check your horse at the super show they said they were slightly sore in the hawks and the si so yes you could um but i personally um with when i was competing regular i used dr lynch um, he was the head of the sports medicine in Peterson and Smith, um, Ocala, Florida, at Peterson Smith. So when I would go to him, I liked him because he was very practical. He didn't start, you know, hey, let's do a full $2,000 body scan. You know, he would start off, you know, let me hoof test him and flex test him and watch him move straight lines and circles, hard ground, you know, that kind of thing, soft ground, and um, let me evaluate them. And then whatever he would find, he would say, okay, maybe we'll nerve block from the hoof up, or maybe we'll x-ray, maybe we'll ultrasound, just based on what he saw. But normally he would do simple things. It could might be working with your fairy to change something, maybe putting front shoes on a horse or hind shoes. Maybe maybe it was starting with them with an oral supplement like um, Cozaquin. I use Dynamite Free and Easy. Um, maybe it was starting Adequan or legends monthly so there's a lot of things you can do before you put steroids in the joint or each and even just injecting hyaluronic acid in the joint you can definitely go ahead and do um, before you do any kind of joint injection you can always start with Adequan or legends Adequan I believe is better for cartilage and uh, legends and I believe there's higher and a lower quality of that product out as well and that one's more for synovial fluid one goes in the, the um, in the vein the other goes in the muscle and you give them monthly so you could talk to your vet about that so my vet dr. Lynch he would always recommend that I did the Adequan or the legends monthly first and then if I didn't see that progress that I wanted we could always do the joint after that um, so he wasn't quick to just go steroid in the joint because you have to remember what steroids can do to a joint as well um, you look at professional players they only get so many before the arthritis becomes too much so so be smart about what you're doing um, some people do an injection uh, in a joint and feel a difference other people do it and don't see any improvement so um, anyway so don't you know you have to take each horse as an individual and do what they need um, you know but that's an option that's where I would start and that would be my recommendation so let's go into the topic I'm already at 30 minutes oh my goodness so all right so biomechanics part three and four um, when and how to use your hands so the hands are so important biomechanically 
Um, you really do want to keep your hands in that six inch box horn high uh, in front of your horn. Um, you want a nice straight line from your horse's bit or mouth rein to your hands to your elbow whenever possible. You want to remember to keep your hand low and forward whenever you're going forward. So if you're going forward between the barrels or around the barrels, um, you want to bend your elbow maybe when you're finishing a turn and you need to pick up your hand up and back an inch um, or, or do a pinky twist um, to soften your horse. Um, you got to learn how to do two hand checks versus one hand checks light with your hands, voice, and seat. Um, you need to know what a neutral position is with your horse, um, what a position is for a go cue or a rate cue or a shaping cue. Um, again, having your, your reins set up to be in that six, in, six inch box horn high, you don't want to ever have five things happen with your hands. You don't want them chest high, you don't want to cross the withers, you don't want to pull down to your thighs. You don't want to pull way over the barrel or the pole. And you never want to just pull. It should always be give and take um, and always be a fluid motion. So so again, I, I think of it as my main cues. I have three hand cues, a go cue, a rate cue, and a turn cue. But um, I can always adjust those too. If I have a lazy horse, I might put my hand in the go position and shape them up there. If I have a free running horse, I might bring my hand back into the rate position and bring my hand back and up an inch to get flexion and to get flexion and collection at the same time. So there's a lot that goes on with your hands and they're very, very important. And biomechanically, you need to think of how it affects your horse. Um, the reason you don't want to do those other five things is because it will pinch the mouth worse. It throws off the balance. Even just holding your rein too high can lose you forward motion um, by not releasing the rein pressure. So like if you bring your hand back to the rein spot and then don't go back to the go spot, that can cause you to lose forward pressure or forward motion. Um, so all those things are so important. I have several videos on hands in the group and at the members only. You should definitely watch those um, on hand position for competition and training. And I do love split reins for my slow work at a walk and a trot so you can get out of their face. You can't get out of their face in your barrel reins at a walk. You just can't. They're too short. So you should have some split reins or long reins that you do your slow work in and then you can always put on your... Um, competition reins when you go faster um, so I think that's important I also think it's important to know what kind of bit will give you more bend and what kind of bit gives you more rate so if you have a couple of options if you're looking to put your horse get more bend and suppleness put them in the softer lighter bit like the snapple or the side pole something that has less shank and more slide that's going to give you a, ho a horse more bend you know, if you're looking to stiffen one up or to get more lower rate, you're going to obviously want more shank and less slide. So, um, so anyways, keep that in mind as well. So the part four is your, um, your legs. So we talked about hands. We're going to talk about legs. Um, legs are so important. Always squeeze before you kick or use your spur, number one. But number two, um, you have to think my inside leg by the front cinch is going to control shoulder and hips. My outside leg by the front cinch is gonna square my shoulders back up, maybe leaving a turn or squaring them up, leaving a circle back into a straight line. Um, my leg back by the back cinch is gonna control that hip. 
So whether I want to disengage the hindquarters or put the hip in to a circle or a turn, um, when I would use that um, disengaging, maybe if I was on a colt that wasn't listening or a horse that was being alley sour, I'd get their nose and then I'd disengage their hip and you know go around a few times and then ask them to go forward again. That one you use more for when a horse is being out of control or disrespectful or something. But as far as, um, or even a colt starting, um, the hip in, Hip in is really important for the barrel horse because you want to always keep that uh, ability to put the hip in so that they set their pivot foot. That hind pivot foot is your balance and your power in your turns, so it is important. Um, you can practice using your legs to side pass your horse. When you side pass your legs a little bit more in the back cinch and you're using the outside leg, to, like so if I want to go left, I use my right leg and you use a little neck rein with it. The, the rein is gonna control the front end, the leg is gonna control the back end. Um, rollbacks are so important. If your horse lacks, um, if your horse is lacking fancy footwork or maybe they're being a little lazy in their turns, um, doing counter arcing and rollbacks and things like that can get a horse lightened up on that front end and get um, less stiffness and, and resistance out of them. So doing little tune-ups with uh, counter bending and, and rollbacks and stuff can really um, fancy your horse's steps up. Uh, scissor legs are important. Inside leg controls shoulder, outside leg controls hip. Great for lead departures, um, backing circles, uh, good for shaping a horse in a turn. Um, it's important you know what you want your legs to do. Uh, use two legs when you want to drive a horse from the alleyway or out of a turn and not butterfly kicking, just bumping in stride with your horse. Um, you might even need to, to squeeze a horse with your legs through their turns to keep them moving through their turns. Um, legs can also help you shape a horse. So a little inside leg can get the shoulder and rib. A little outside leg can get the hip, as I mentioned. So legs are really important as well. So I'm gonna finish up there. There are videos on leg cues in the uh, members only group as well, uh, members only website. And also you can search it in the group as well. So I'm gonna go ahead and close by just leaving us with a, um, a, a little message. Um, we are all responsible for our own peace and happiness. So keep that in mind. Um, uh, Jesus, um, we're all sinners and God gave us Jesus to wash away our sins. Um, so we owe, owe it to, um, we owe it to God and ourselves to forgive ourselves. And for those who hurt us and we need to try to always live our best life so pray for what you want and believe it will happen and believe that you are capable and that you are worthy so I'd like to go ahead and finish there and like I said I'll be posting the Q&A there in the group as well as the barrel racing on a budget pic photograph um, and um, thank you guys for tuning in and I am going to get back to doing video reviews before the storm we have blowing in comes in this this afternoon I think after lunch so anyhow um, thank you guys again for being a part of team TLC um, I am extremely thankful for all of you and um, don't forget to load your videos in the group so we can get to know you and take part in the training video uh, as well that challenge big circle small circle with woe and rollbacks so um, again um, thank you guys for being a part of TLC and as always ride with heart and God bless